Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to a little bit of a belated uh, review of the last two episodes of Star Wars Resistance, Kaz's Curse and Station to Station. We are really sorry that we couldn't do individual episodes for these, but as you know, if you follow us, we've been podcasting a lot, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, we just... We just had to combine a couple things, and this is what ended up getting combined. So I hope that's okay. We are excited to talk about resistance today, though, because we have we did go a week without talking about it. So now I feel like we're really ready to jump back in. And this week's episode, Station to Station, was really good. So I'm really excited to be chatting about it. And uh, we are going to kind of do um, go over both of the last two episodes. So uh, last week's was Kaz's Curse, which aired on December 8th and was directed by Brad Rao and written by Eugene Sun. And then this week we had the episode Station to Station, which was uh, which aired on December 15th, was directed by Bosco Ng and then written by Mark Henry. Yeah, these were so – honestly, both of them were pretty good and I'm excited to talk about them. One note is as we approach the Rise of Skywalker season and also the holiday season, I think that this will definitely not be our last combined resistance discussion episode. Mm -hmm. Just a heads up. Um, Probably the next one that we do won't be until January. I honestly thought that resistance was going to take a mid-season break like most of the animated shows do, but it hasn't. So if you just bear with us, because we need to take that mid-season break. You're like, oh, yeah, Resistance will take a break. And then, like, we'll do, you know, Rise of Skywalker. And Resistance is like, no. Yeah. So I think that we – you guys, I'm sure people listening are kind of on the same page that, like, we we need to focus on the Rise of Skywalker. We want to focus on them. So um, in order to kind of do Resistance justice, that's kind of what we're going to have to do. So we'll pick Mm -hmm. up with our Resistance discussions in January. Yep, exactly. So if this is your first time listening to our Resistance episodes, we do break our episode into three parts. And part one, we go over our highs and lows. In part two, we talk about the story. And then in part three, we talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay, welcome to part one where we are doing our highs and lows. And while we are covering both episodes, both of our highs and lows are from station to station. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk more in depth about Kaz's curse in part two when we go over story. I think both of us really, really liked station to station it kind of felt like a return to form with resistance if you guys have if you guys have been listening to our resistance recaps this season you'll know that we've had some challenges with season two of resistance and so this episode station to station really did feel like the resistance that we know and love from season one and, and then some of the episodes from season two as well so i think we're probably going to focus more on station to station but we will be covering uh, pieces of Kaz's curse in part two, but I have no idea where we left off as far as who went first. So you should go first. You should go first. Oh, oh okay. I was going to let you go first, but thanks. Um, <laughs> so my first high was Tam. I was so excited to see Tam again. It's always great to have her back in the series, and that's one of the things that I wish season two did more of was have more Tam because she always shines when she's in episodes, and this was no exception. I really liked seeing her like being on board the the Titan, which is the twin of the Colossus. And I thought the drama and action of this episode was really good. I thought it, like the pacing of this episode really worked for me. And we, I feel like Resistance has always had a, a faster pace than like Rebels or Clone Wars did. And I thought this episode managed all of the different parts of the Titan that we went through and all of the different conflicts between like Recklin and Tat, uh, Tam and Hux and Kaz. Like I just thought everything was handled really well in this episode. Yeah, I totally agree. I My high also was Tam, not just seeing her again, but I also really liked the fact that this episode opened with her. We followed her story and then we picked up when her and Kaz kind of cross paths and it was a sliding door situation. I feel like I've been saying sliding doors a lot when we talk about <laughs> resistance, but I do feel like that's what they're kind of going for here. I really also agree with you about Tam seeing her again, her story, her conflict. I think it's really, truly the most interesting thing about resistance right now. But I also really 
liked seeing the Colossus twin, the Titan. I was really excited to see it because I think it filled a void for me of misunderstanding. At least I think that I at now I understand why the First Order would want the Colossus because they have something similar that is useful. Mm-hmm. And seeing kind of turn like the dark side Colossus and <laughs> everything's the same, but everything is different, I thought was, I don't know, a really easy way. If the show is targeted for children, I think it's an easy way to draw those visual cues for why the the First Order would be after a space station like the Colossus, which has been kind of our question for a while mm-hmm. of like w- why. And I think that this was probably the easiest answer that they could have given. But I do I do think that I, I like the the sort of metaphor that's going on here of these two really similar stations, one used for good, one used for bad. <laughs> and I it just feels very Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think you're right. It was really nice. That is a question we've been asking for basically two seasons at this point. And this is kind of I could be wrong, but I feel like this is the first time that the First Order has explicitly said, like, similar to all the other stations we have, fueling stations yeah. we have, the Colossus is, you know? Um, whereas, the, and I think we we speculated about that a lot in season one, like, oh, maybe there's something else on board the Colossus. It's not just a fueling station. And then we're like, well, maybe it is just a fueling station. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like this episode finally kind of not exp- uh, expressly answered that, but was definitely like pointing you in that direction to think that way. It was good. Yeah. I liked seeing it. We had some really great shots of the Titan. <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes me, it kind of makes me think about, um, you know, like the uh, Titanic and then the sister ships for the Titanic were like um, the Olympian or the Olympus or something like that. They were all like big names, you know? So mm-hmm. I wonder if the other versions of the Colossus also have big names too, like Colossus, Titan, Giant, you know? <laughs> Do you think that it's I just had a dark thought thinking about the Colossus going the way of the Titanic. Oh no, no, let's let's make the let's make the Titan <laughs> like the Titanic. Okay. okay. <laughs> but even that's sad. That's sad. That is sad. <laughs> I, I I can't believe you made that uh parallel. I'm not not happy with that. I was just thinking about the names, like the White Star Line, <laughs> the the company yeah, that yeah, yeah. The of Titanic, course. I, they had the same like their their fleet of ships had the same names, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, let's like Royal Caribbean, you know, like Majesty of the Seas, you know, like, yeah. they have very, mm-hmm. um, they're in the same family name. So that's my question is I wonder if there are other types, there, there are more Colossuses out there, Colossi, and they also have like big names. <laughs> yeah. That's really it. Um, my second high was the paint job that CB23 got. It was so cute. <laughs> It was so good. Saw her for the first time, and so bad. I was like, "Oh no, CB! (laughs) How are they going to get that off of you?" Also, who did that to you? (laughs) I loved it. Um, Anytime we get kind of the, and and this is kind of what you were saying too about the Colossus versus the Titan, and seeing kind of the the quote unquote first order makeover for the Titan, and getting to see that with CB too. But she also got to have a little brawl with the other dark BB droids. BB units, <laughs> which is just really fun. I love all the BB unit stuff. Yeah. I never thought that I would, but I really do. I think they're so funny. They're so cute. And when I, when CB was kind of working the control panel and then she basically got bullied by the mean, <laughs> the mean first order ones who came up behind her and she just like, and like zapped her. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> poor CB. And just remember the very first episode of season two where we have CB and, then, and she like loses her head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it was so like a horror film. It was really dramatic. <laughs> She's been through a lot. She's a trooper. <laughs> she really is. Love her. Um, my second high was all the radar technician stuff. So good. Mm-hmm. I just like the fact that that's canon now. <laughs> After that iconic SNL sketch. I can't imagine anyone listening hasn't seen that. But you should watch it if you haven't. And I, I, I don't know. I thought it was it was always like a really funny looking costume too in the SNL sketch and they've made it look quite um, Star Wars-y. I like Kaz in the glasses too. Yeah. So funny. And I like the way that Kaz and Niku kind of 
um, really kind of adopted that role. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I really liked it. Yeah. And I liked, oh, I also really liked the confrontation with Hux in the costumes. And everything with Hux was really interesting. And it just makes me, uh, my brain is kind of firing on all cylinders about like Hux's position right now in the First Order. Um, now that Kylo is Supreme Leader. And what does that mean for Hux? And I'm sure he's not too happy that he is on a refueling station and that's what he is doing right now. That's true. I hadn't really thought about that. He's like, what the heck am I doing right here? <laughs> he's just like, oh my God, how did, how did this happen? No wonder he's so angry. <laughs> yeah, the um, Hux, Hux was a great addition. I I liked seeing him in this episode. I do think it's funny how it's not Domhnall Gleeson. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, the radar technician stuff was a lot of fun. It, it's always great to see your characters in different costumes. That's just like something mm -hmm. that's a special treat in animated shows. Totally. Um, my low for the episode was I, I thought this episode was really strong. Uh, one thing that has been kind of the topic of our discussions throughout the whole season has been kind of the semantics around who exactly is a resistance spy and who isn't. And in this episode, Kaz and Niku are treated like resistance spies from the First Order, which I think is fair from the first order, but I think it just highlighted the fact that as an audience, we're like, okay, Kaz has had exactly zero communication with the resistance this entire season. Um, like the first episode was about going to Dakar and they weren't there. And then that's the last that we've picked up on that thread. And no one on the Colossus has said like, like that's been our question. Like, are they actively still looking for the resistance? We don't know. Um, does anyone else count themselves as a member of the resistance besides Kaz? Does he still consider himself a member of the resistance? I don't know. Um, I think that I think it just um, like I said, it emphasized the fact that these are story threads that haven't been picked up in this season as much as last season, and that that's something that I think you and I would consider probably a weakness overall is that we haven't had super clear direction on what exactly the Colossus is trying to do besides just survival. Um, so that just kind of highlighted it for me. But otherwise, I thought this episode was really strong. Yeah, I totally agree with your low. Your low is my low as well. I think that it's somewhat ironic how we're a little confused about the semantics behind the resistance when the show is called Resistance mm -hmm. and what that really means. And I hope we'll get some clarity. I believe we'll get some clarity. But um, yeah, I'm totally with you. Okay, well, are we ready to move on to part two? Yes. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. So welcome to part two where we discuss the story, and we always open with this question. So, Caitlin, what's the state of the resistance slash the Colossus? Because I think that, as we just discussed, we can kind of sort of think about them as one because that's kind of what the First Order thinks of them as. Yeah, so I think that's the first thing is that the First Order thinks the Colossus is a resistance outpost. Uh, question mark, is it really a resistance outpost? Not really. <laughs> and uh, I guess the Colossus is still getting supplies <laughs> for survival. <laughs> there was a line in this that was so meta when – uh, Tam was asked to go on to go on the Titan and they were like oh for a supply of run and she was like oh my god a supply run and I was like wow <laughs> Tam is so relatable and that's one of the reasons why <laughs> it's so funny and frustrating <laughs> I know I'm like the Colossus has spent god knows how long just continually picking up supplies at what point are we done with supplies <laughs> Never. We're never done. Yeah. At least this one was, you know, a life or death supply kind of situation. Right. It wasn't like just food, which I guess is in some way life or death. Not just food. <laughs> I, I think that <laughs> I, I like the whole – Nika was particularly great in this episode because he really did kind of uh, – talk a lot about the dread of if they failed for the mission, <laughs> which I thought was really 
funny. Nico was really funny in this episode. His line, which I can't remember exactly what he said this time, but he said three things all the same, like a noise when he was asked questions by the First Order. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. He was just and like, mm, it was, uh, mm, mm, um, yeah, exactly. Mm, uh, mm, uh. <laughs> and then Kaz to the rescue. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, that was really My favorite Nico part was at the end when Kaz is trying to take out the the piece that they need for the Colossus. And he's like, oh, it's so hard. And Nico's like, that's because you're doing it completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of it reminds me of there's a episode I think it's the Bebo episode in season one where Kaz is talking about like how bad Bebo smells or something and he goes like well to be honest Kaz he smells better than you or something like that and it's just it's like Savage Niku comes out so rarely and he doesn't when mean he just it. speaks the truth yeah he doesn't mean it savagely it's just it's like a mic drop it's so funny Totally. So, Caitlin, what's the state of the First Order? Um, they are still doing their thing. I think the interesting thing is at the end when Hux orders Pyre to destroy all resistance cells, kind of no matter what, and Pyre contacts Tyranny, and it looks like they're going to be roping Tam into that mission. And this this episode kind of – I don't want to say if it raised doubts about Tam. I think it did, but – She's still kind of squarely with the First Order. I think she still feels sympathy for the people on board the Colossus, not Kaz. Uh, but I, she, it's clear that she's not for destroying the Colossus. So it's going to be interesting to see how she handles Tyranny and Pyre and the First Order, putting pressure on her to help them with that mission specifically to destroy the Colossus. Yeah, I'm so intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take a brief pause from Station to Station and kind of quickly go over Kaz's curse. We probably should have started this uh, part off with Kaz's curse. Um, This episode was really cute. Uh, Nothing too notable happened in it. I think it kind of has suffered from the same things some other episodes in this season have suffered from. Like, they've been these kind of one-off missions, but we haven't been propelling our larger story forward. I will say that I enjoyed the Kaz's Curse immensely more than, like, the Vox Vortex 500. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this one was leaps and bounds better. Um, I really enjoyed the opening, like, getting to see some of that goofy Kaz where he was gambling with Niku and the pirates and, and the curse itself. Um, except for that pirate licking Kaz's face with the curse. <laughs> Was- oh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I liked it. It was so weird. It was funny, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it was, it was, um, it was, it was a lot, but it was funny. Um, I don't know. I I liked getting to spend time with Kaz, and I think that's probably why this episode worked better for me than the Vox Vortex. I think what this episode was doing that I've been thinking about honestly all weeks has been uh, positing luck and bad luck against what we know as Star Wars fans, as Han Solo saying there's no such thing as luck. Um, Or like in my experience, that's luck. And then uh, Obi-Wan saying there's no such thing as luck. And um, how the episode ended in such an ominous way that it it panned above like the the shopkeepers on the Colossus. And it had this really kind of creepy music tone that really kind of foreshadowed something creepy happening in the future for Kaz and like Kaz potentially having bad luck, even though he kind of renounced it and realized that it was his own. It, may- it also reminded me a little bit of Harry Potter with the um, the luck potion in, I think that is uh, Half-Blood Prince. I, which it, again was like that whole in Harry Potter, Ron is given the luck potion but he doesn't actually take it or something like that. I can't really remember. Um, and it's like all in his head. And it was an interesting confidence um, decision. And I think that that's kind of what they were playing at here. But I do think that with Star Wars in mind, like what part of this is the force and what part of it is not. I like Mika Gray's inclusion in this episode and what that means. I don't think that we've seen the last of what was brought up in this episode. And I don't think that we can talk like conclusively about what happened in it until we see like Mika again or whatever that last few notes in the in the episode was alluding to. I thought that maybe we'd be picked up with them here, but I I I shouldn't have thought that because that's not really how Star Wars operates lately. 
it, we, we get like a cliff, a cliffhanger, and then we don't like cough, cough the Mandalorian. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I feel like, um, I don't know. I think that there is definitely something happening here. I, I liked the licking of the face moment because it was different than like the force almost like a force curse. Mm-hmm. It was more physical than anything like that. And I thought it was a good separation between those two. But I do wonder is I, I, I just I kind of wonder where this is going. I don't have any conclusive answers, but my brain has kind of been going back and forth about what it means to introduce something like a curse into a Star Wars TV show that has only briefly touched on the force in previous episodes. Yeah, it was interesting from like, especially to put it in Kaz's perspective, because we know Kaz doesn't believe in the force. And this idea of him kind of grappling with has he been cursed? Is that part of the force? He goes to Mika. And I like how she kind of has this fortune teller's tent on the like the deck of the Colossus <laughs> and yeah, people like come to her. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a fun uh, addition to the show and how she's, I guess she's there for a while, you know, mm-hmm. again, all these people on board the Colossus, do they have any idea where they're going? <laughs> <laughs> no, do they they're just trying to get by. No, I, that's the thing. I think that they're just trying to get by. They're living there. They're out of the first order. A war is happening. Like a, a honestly a cold war to a physical war is happening so right now they're kind of like flying by the seat of their pants in the safety of the closet it's just it's i don't know if i were on board the closet i'd be like i need to get off on a planet and i need to hunker down because this like floating around you you've got resistance spies on here yeah it's definitely problematic I mean, I think that we've thought for a while that, like, the residents of the Colossus are going to, like, rise up and try to stage a coup or, you know, they're going to be unhappy or we're going to see that because we have seen that in the past, Mm -hmm. uh, little bits of it and how it's settled by the First Order or it's how it's settled by some other mean. And I think that that will come up again in a larger way. You know, this show, I think, will be – I have to wonder – if the reason why we didn't go on a hiatus is because they really wanted to get these episodes out before the rise of Skywalker. And then after the rise of Skywalker, we can have kind of a clear understanding of how this all shakes out with the first order and versus the resistance. Cause obviously we know that like it's going to (laughs) end in the rise of Skywalker. And I just wonder if what we're not feeling right now is that like timer, that ticking time, the like pasta boiling thing that we talked about in season one. And will we feel that now that we actually will know the the final piece? I kind of think we will um, to some degree because now we'll have some knowledge of how it ends rather than like constantly speculating about what's going to happen. But I do think that these are two smaller pieces. It'll be actually really interesting even if we see some bits of resistance like the Colossus or something in Rise of Skywalker and it'll, you know, put some pieces on the board really for how things kind of shake out. Yeah, I definitely think an episode like this will make a lot like station to station will make more sense. But a lot of the episodes this season have been so disconnected that um, I would like for them to kind of have this new perspective once we get Rise of Skywalker. But at this juncture, I'm not really sure. Station to station, yes. Uh, yes. The Vox Vortex 500? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, o- overall, I think Kaz's Curse was definitely a standout as far as the, like, not our favorite episodes of the season. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Station to Station I, has definitely been one of my favorites for this season so far. I thought it was, like, the like I said in the, the top end, like, the pacing of it I thought was really well done. I really – you had mentioned this too in your highs about, like, the sliding door situation. And I – um and also about how we started this episode with Tam and kind of followed her. And then once she crossed paths with Kaz, we transitioned to Kaz's point of view. And I really liked that transition of – her going one way and him going the other and and at this juncture instead of following tam we followed kaz and then that kind of Mm -hmm. switched again once tam was the one who like let them out of that the engineering room or wherever they were and we kind of followed her for a little bit i i liked those transitions um and like i said i thought all of the the action was really great in this episode and you know it's like what i always say about you know the colossus it's like the best set piece in star wars and the titan is the second best set piece in star wars because (laughs) we got to see like all these different levels to it as they all moved 
they all like moved deeper and it was like cat and mouse like through the Colossus and that's something that's so great or through the Titan that's something so great about a big ship like like the Titan and the Colossus is that they just allow a lot of mobility while still being confined. Wow, you you mentioning cat and mouse actually reminds me of the Clone Wars episode called Cat yeah. and Mouse that yeah. that is kind of dealing with basically the same thing here. The main issue in that episode is that Anakin cannot confront Grievous. So it yes. is a constant thing of sliding doors where they can't see each other because of that like crucial plot point or piece of dialogue in Revenge of the Sith that they can't see each other. And it's kind of similar here. You know, about like Kaz and yeah. Kaz and Tam can't see each other because if they do, then it'll be like a long conversation and tension <laughs> has to build for that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I really think that because like so many of our episodes this season, we've like left the Colossus to go and do other things. Um, and so we haven't gotten a ton of that kind of dynamic that I really loved about season one. So it was, like you said, this episode kind of felt like a return to form, but like a dark side form because we're on the Titan (laughs) and not the Colossus. I do like how the Titan has this big like first order emblem on the front of it. Me too. And it's like, I am evil. (laughs) I just like how in the show notes you wrote the second best set piece in Star Wars. (laughs) When I opened up the show notes and I saw that, I was like, wow, (laughs) Kayla. It's like the, I guess, the evil twin of the sec- of the best set piece in I Star Wars. I just really like that. It, again, when I said in the beginning of the episode it felt really Star Wars, I really mean that. Because when mm-hmm. you have a twin, that nothing is more Star Wars oh than God. a twin. We have a whole episode yeah. on the pairs. And I feel like we it do. just, it really works as the opposite. The ability yeah. to kind of illuminate what is happening with the Colossus without actually saying it by just showing something extremely similar but really different and Mm -hmm. being able to kind of draw these comparisons in a way that propels the the plot forward and our understanding of our characters and the like the grand scheme of the galaxy in a way I don't know it just really works it really works yeah, it really did. And I enjoyed Tam and Recklin talking about it too. Tam was like, ah, oh, makes me kind of miss the Colossus. And Recklin's like, no. <laughs> Recklin? I, I think he was so good. He was like, it's a trash heap. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you take that back. <laughs> you shut your mouth, Recklin. I think there are some things in this episode, back to what I was saying about, like, will we look upon this with new eyes after the Rise of Skywalker? I think with Station to Station, there are some moments in this that I was like, I think that this could be a parallel that we see in The Rise of Skywalker. I keep thinking about, and if you've been avoiding TV spots, skip ahead maybe three minutes. I There's that one shot of Kylo letting Rey, Finn, and Poe go on the Falcon that is parked in a First Order ship. And it looks like he's letting them go because they're able to go, <laughs> which seems uh, interesting. And there mm-hmm. are there are troopers that aren't firing and things like that. And it just makes me wonder this moment with Tam having this knowledge and foregoing her status as commander. Um, what is that going to like if we can think about Tam as a parallel to Kylo Ren in some ways, um, in a lot of ways, not just some ways. I I think that maybe this one is another one that we'll be able to see. Like that's just a specific instance. But I think that. It'll be like in four days, we're going to get those answers, which I can't even believe. Um, and I could be totally mm-hmm. off base on that. But I I do think that we will look on this whole um, moment with new eyes. Even another, I was going to mention this in the next part, but even another like parallel moment is uh, almost to Ray. I think that when uh, Tam is overlooking uh, Kaz and uh, Niku kind of, discussing about oh if we if we go to the closet like if we gotta we gotta figure this out or else everyone's gonna die and she's able to press some buttons it reminds me of um ray being able to save finn um with the wrath tars and like closing a door in order to like slice off the wrath tars tentacle and save finn and here's an, like almost the opposite of opening the door to save her friends. Um, obviously, the the tensions and the the friendships between those two two characters, three characters, is, are all very different. But um, I I thought that that was an interesting visual moment, a visual parallel. Yeah, I agree. I think um, they're always 
like because the the freighter that the Rathtars were on is also like a big setting where you have room for like our characters to really move around and hide and like impact each other for better exactly. or worse. Exactly. Yeah, I think that I was just watching The Force Awakens the other day, and usually the Rathtar sequence is one of my least favorite parts of The Force Awakens. But this time when I watched it, I was like, you know, it's quirky. I, I like it. it. I like it. I like it way more than I used to. Yeah, I do too. Um, but <laughs> whenever she pulls the lever and it like zooms in on their faces, and she's like, "Wrong lever," <laughs> just <laughs> Wrong like fuses. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I think it's great, and I like when she's when she's like, "Sorry, we're talking about the Force Awakens now," but I like when she's like, um, "That was lucky." <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> and do I think- that. I'm like, oh, look at Ray not taking credit for her own rescue. What a I gal. know, and it's cute, and I'm like, uh, she probably like kind of channeled the Force there a little bit because again, when you bring up this, kind of relates to this at least Kaz's curse. Like when you bring up luck especially with a fourth sensitive character, I think that we're supposed to be like, ah, things aren't lucky. Like it's part of, you know, feeling and using the force and being able to feel when the time is right and um, understand like your symbiosis and um, cluing into everything that's around you. And Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what happened with the Rathtars. And it's fun that why that scene I think is fun on second watch is understanding that about Ray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, you ready to talk about characters? I am. Great. Okay, welcome to part three where we're talking about the characters. And we're going to start off with my personal fave, Kaz. (laughs) (laughs) Love that kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really liked him in this episode. I've talked about this. uh, We both have a couple times throughout this season. But I feel like this season has done really well, kind of this balance of kooky Kaz with mature Kaz. Um, I feel like he has now, you know, after the events of season one, he's gotten a lot more responsibility on the Colossus, and they put him in charge of this really important mission, which Niku is quick to remind the audience and Kaz multiple times throughout the episode that if you don't get this done in 120 minutes, then we're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he was very calm and collected, and and he was like, we're not going to let that happen, you know? And he is really quick thinking, uh, especially we referenced earlier that moment when Niku is just... Uh, cornered by some troopers and doesn't know how to respond, Kaz comes in and whips out this mechanical knowledge that who knew he had <laughs> and gets the troopers to leave them alone. And I I really liked seeing him in this episode. He, he was focused, but we still had these moments of levity with him, which are part of what make him so endearing as a character. Yeah, for sure. I I thought he had some really funny faces also in this episode, like disgruntled faces. And um, that's a weird comment, but I I was really kind of focused on Kaz's uh, animation design in this episode. I think that it has something to do with the new costume as well. But Mm -hmm. um, I think you're so right that we get uh, Kaz has matured so much. And um, I think that we've seen it honestly in the past like five episodes way more than we did even in the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. yeah I I would agree with that yeah one of the things that I wish had happened is I was really surprised slash frustrated that Kaz didn't try to talk to Tam and I guess that is kind of a double-edged sword because it's like if he tries to go and talk to Tam that means he's kind of putting the mission and the entire Colossus at risk again the Colossus full of people that didn't really choose to go on this adventure (laughs) and uh he would be prioritizing Tam in that way. But he, in the very first episode, this was something we thought was going to be a big piece of this season. You know, he uses the communicator, the comlink, to reach out to Tam. And multiple people tell him how bad of an idea that was. But he never, we never see Kaz internalize that or reflect on the fact that maybe that was a bad idea. In fact, the opposite. He says, no, I, I reached out to Tam just like I would reach out to any of you because she's my friend and I need to talk to her. And you and I definitely thought that that was going to be something we would see more of this season as far as Kaz trying to reach out to Tam and explain what happened and apologize to her. And he hasn't. And the fact that he's now in this situation where she is there, I was kind of surprised that that's not the direction our action took of him trying to go and find her and talk to her face to face. And I kind of I I think I would have liked that storyline as well. Like I said, I, do, I think this this episode was really strong and, and handled the action really well. And 
on the one hand, I'm really glad that Kaz prioritized the Colossus in this instance, but I was surprised that he, there wasn't any mention of, well, maybe I can say something to Tam if she's Mm. here. Consider that he might feel like after he contacted Tam and she didn't reply that he is a little defeated in that aspect, which is kind of sad. Yeah, I can see that. It's just that's not something that the show has told us or explored. So yeah, either I way. I mean, I don't know if she would he would have even thought or knew that she'd be even on the ship. Well, they talk about it. He's like, I'm pretty sure Tam is here. Yeah. Just trying anyway. to trying to trying to make up reasons. Because I'm know. with you. I, I, <laughs> I just feel like they're really saving that conversation for an epic moment. Because we got such an epic moment in season one when Tam left to join the First Order. I think that there's going to be an equally parallel awesome conversation that we get for these characters when they do finally talk face to face. It's what everyone wants. It's what we're waiting for. Um, it's not going to happen in like episode 10 of the season. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you're totally right. I think that moment, like that final moment will come probably very late in the season, if not the season finale. I guess I just thought that, or want. I guess I wanted more attempts throughout the season. Like it, mm-hmm. this, this, like this is as like a- along with getting the Colossus either to the resistance or somewhere else, some other place of safety. Th- like that's our big picture storyline. But then also trying to reach out to Tam or dealing with what happened with Tam would also be another big season long arc and hasn't really turned neither one of those have really turned out this season. Yeah. <laughs> um so I I really liked I, I really enjoyed this episode, um, but that was something that I was surprised didn't happen. And I hope that you're right. Like at once we do find out what happens in the Rise of Skywalker, that the tone of the show maybe shifts or things kind of change with our perspective, and maybe we'll get more time for that in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I think that we were both really thrilled to get more Tam and kind of talking. And I know that we're excited to talk about her character dynamic, and we've kind of alluded to it a lot. And I think that it's was really exciting to get. Tam back and get this version of Tam that is wistful and missing the Colossus. I like that we open with them disgruntled with their First Order work. I thought that that was really just a good place to start because it really does reinforce certain things about like expectations of what they thought they were going into with the First Order, but really they're put on like grunt work, working with wires and everything like that. And I really like this established dynamic that we have with Rucklin and Tam. I think that what happens here is we are able to see two people who are pretty kind of frustrated. I think they're both quite frustrated with their status and their ranking within the First Order after leaving the Colossus. But you get one who is willing to kind of do anything to advance and kind of be kind of selfish in his own way to advance in the ranks. And then you have Tam who gave up a spot of being a commander as we see at the end um, by saving her former friends or current friends. You can label that however you want. And I'm just, I I just want to comment that I really like this relationship that we're getting with Rucklin and Tam because it's a good way for like, She's a good he's a good foil for Tam despite them being in the same circumstance. Yeah, I completely agree. Um I I really liked Rucklin and Tam and like I said, them kind of talking about their different perspectives on the first on the first order versus like missing the Colossus. You know, Tam is kind of wistful about it and Rucklin, you know, that's a trash heap. Why would you want to go back there? Like this one <laughs> the Titan is far and away better than the Colossus. And even when he catches Kaz and Niku, he you know, he tell Kaz tries to explain what happened, like what's going on with the Colossus. Like this isn't about me. And, you know, Rucklin's first response is, well, like, serves them right, you know, that, like, they should they should have known to choose the right side. And that's just so telling about his character. But he's – I still, like, I don't loathe Rucklin the way I think you're kind of supposed to with Hux. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rucklin is just super stupid. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so true is that he's just kind of, like, in a situation that I'm, like, you're just a dummy and you're a mean dummy. Yeah. But – at the same time, we've seen these moments where he wasn't able to uh, shoot and kill 
the enemy really you know mm-hmm. it in like a couple of episodes ago it was this interesting moment where it was like wait Ruckland redemption arc oh yeah and I think that we've gotten enough nuance with Rucklin that I can't 100% hate him. And I don't think that just like even thinking about characters that have been introduced in The Mandalorian where you're supposed to dislike them. I don't think that that's 100% the case with Rucklin, even though that's what I thought about him initially in season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's just a, a blue eyed demon. You know, <laughs> I loved he the animation on him was so comically evil, though, at the end when he does tell the first order that he's trapped two resistance spies and his eyes are all big and then Kaz says something like no please Recklin don't or something like that and Recklin just like narrows his eyes <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's so malicious <laughs> I do think that like maybe Ruckland is a good example of someone who's been corrupted by the rules and like what it takes to get like to climb the ranks in the first order in a way that Tam has not. And seeing that representation is quite interesting. Yeah, it is. Recklin is a hundred percent in it for himself. I think maybe he's yeah. got 1% that would reach out for Tam, but it's very small. I did like at the end when he is kind of bragging to Tam about, you know, I caught Kaz and Niku on the, on the Titan and I'm going to be your commander. And he like gets all high and mighty and gets on the ship. And then, you know, Tam goes, well, there there goes your promotion as she watches Kaz and Niku fly away. But it's to herself. She doesn't say it to him, uh, which I think was was really great. One of one of my favorite moments of this episode overall is when Tam is watching the the video link of Kaz and Niku trapped in the engineering room and they animated her face so well at the way that you can see this real anger as she's watching Kaz talk and like kind of freak out about this situation and realize that he's actually there and you can still see that her anger and like feeling of betrayal from him is still really, really strong. But it's not until he starts talking about the Colossus itself and what's going to happen if they don't get this piece back that we start to see her features soften. And I liked that moment because it really emphasized that for Tam, there is a difference between Kaz and the Colossus. And like her anger is still very much focused on like Kaz and Yeager and, you know, Tora and that group. But she is still like she is still Tam, you know. She isn't completely cold hearted. She hasn't been completely brainwashed by the First Order because she still does put a lot on the line in order to let Kaz out. Um, and it's for the Colossus. It's not for Kaz. And I kind of liked how this episode made that pretty clear. Yeah, I agree. Do we think that Tam at this juncture regrets her choice? We, you know, she mentioned missing the Colossus a couple times, but does she regret leaving it right now? Yeah, I do think that she does. I think that she, like we've seen in past episodes, is kind of like, what am I doing here? I didn't think that initially with the whole cables and everything, because when she was like, well, it's not that much different than sitting in Yeager's garage and doing things here. But then she was like, well, that was a lot more fun. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, you want to have a good time doing what you're doing, surrounded by people who actually like to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's happening in the First Order for for Tam. And I think that she is even a little separated from the people that brought her on. Like, when was the last time we saw Tierney, you know? And I think that that, like, level of comfort is kind of gone. And I don't know, replaced by this uh, constant fear that, you're not going to advance that you're going to be like set in these menial jobs and your dreams really aren't coming true. And I think that that's what Tam has wanted this entire time. And I think that even her getting a glimpse of Niku and Kaz trying to save the Colossus, she is like, oh man, the Colossus used to be my home. And she refers to the Colossus as home a couple times in this episode, which I thought was interesting and good. She hasn't like completely dissociated from the Colossus, given the fact that um, that's kind of what she, they want her to do. Um, I think that there's like, I've been thinking about what could go even worse for Tam. Um, and I, not that I, that's not really what I want, obviously, but like in this situation right now, Tam is kind of, she kind of did a bad thing by letting 
them go and her not being the one to bring them in and turn them into Hux or whatever, right? And I wonder what's going to happen next with her. And I wonder if like brain scraping, which is like the worst word ever, is ever going to come in again with her or like reconditioning. That has been mentioned in the past in terms of something to introduce to Tam. But they wanted her as a link to the Colossus. But here that link was used for her own good and for the good of the Colossus. And what's going to happen when um, that link like how can they turn that link uh, around? Because I think that has to happen. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because right now she made this choice in isolation. And what is she going to do when she's standing on the bridge of a Star Destroyer and Tyranny is like, they betrayed you. You pull the trigger, basically, to destroy the Colossus. Is she going to be able to do that? I don't think so. But how is she going to get out of that situation? What is going to happen? I yeah. I hadn't. I I think I missed her calling the Colossus home because I think in reference to that question, I had said she doesn't. I don't. I I think she misses it, but I don't know if I think she still regrets her choices. And I think that was like in that moment I was describing earlier was kind of compounded in that moment too, because it is such a reminder of everything that went wrong and everything she was left out of, too. And, but her calling it home kind of puts a different spin on it i don't know mm-hmm. i think it's really complicated and and i think that's something that we've wanted so much from this season is to see more exploration of that because i think she's i think she's still glad to be in the first order i i don't think it's what she expected what you were talking about earlier as far as them at the beginning of the episode not enjoying the work they were doing which she's like well you know i've always done this <laughs> um it's not different <laughs> from what i did before i definitely think it's not what she expected but I don't think she necessarily regrets it. And I think if she did, then we might have seen something almost where she – I don't know. She had thought about getting on the ship with Kaz and Niku, like sneaking on herself or even if she did end up confronting them and going back with them or trying to or something like that. I don't know. So I, I don't think she regrets it yet, but I, I think we're starting to see more of that discontentment and – I hope that it grows so that she eventually returns back to the Colossus. Totally agree. I think she. I think she will. I think what we're uh, going towards is the classic Star Warsian story of returning home and returning back to the comfort, and it's never too late to change. And I feel like it's something that we've been hammering home for years and years, and here we have it in this story. So I I think that you're right in that it's appropriately complicated because things are never that easy. If she 100% regretted her choice or uh, be, then she wouldn't be there, you know? But I do yeah. think at this point that she feels kind of trapped because she did make that choice. And I, I'm sure what's going through her head is if I ever returned with those same people who I left and I had such an abrupt end to ever take me back and did they even want me back and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I think that we understood why she made that choice. Like she was lied to and um, she was kept in the dark, which was so frustrating to watch and everything. So of course it makes sense that she would choose that. But I think that from her perspective, I think that sheen of anger in making that choice is probably wearing off a little bit, a lot actually. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. It's like that it wasn't necessarily a rash decision that she made at the end of season one, but it was, very much a, a, in a heated situation emotionally and physically. And mm-hmm. now all of kind of the adrenaline of that moment has worn off. And it's like, oh, I guess I'm here. Yeah. And, and that has to be pretty devastating. And I feel like, again, in this relatable way, I mean, who among us has not made a decision in anger that we have to regret that like that stings a week later, a month later that we continue to think about and return to, but we just feel like we're stuck in that situation. Mm -hmm. Me. I have done that. I I feel like everyone has. (laughs) I. (laughs) Raise your hand and say I. (laughs) I. (laughs) And I mean, that's what's so good about Star Wars and even like a a format like an animated children's show like this that really proves that these emotions are complicated it's never super easy and that's why tam's story remains the most compelling thing about resistance at this point Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i completely agree 
Okay. Well, is there anything else we want to talk about with Kaz's Curse and or Station to Station? I don't think so. I really liked both these episodes, honestly. Less The first one, less so, but definitely the second one. I think that you, at the beginning of the show, called it a return to form, and I agree. More of this, please. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Please, more of this. <laughs> um, well, we will be back to talk about Resistance very soon in the new year. And I hope you guys are looking forward to that as well as Mandalorian coverage. And of course, The Rise of Skywalker is coming out so shortly. I just feel like I constantly have butterflies in my stomach anticipating it. So we are really looking forward to that. We will be doing a bunch of coverage on it. So stay tuned to this space, <laughs> i.e. your podcast <laughs> space. And we will be uploading live lots of fun things very shortly. Um, if you like what you hear, you can find us online. We are most active on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles at Caitlin Plusher and at Clarity. We also have an Instagram, Facebook, website, and email. If you search Skytalkers, you'll find us. Our email is SkytalkersPodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, it makes our days so much better. So, please go and do that. If you haven't yet, we would really appreciate it. And if you're interested in more ways to support us, you can also check out our Patreon. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to our amazing patrons, Joey, Jason, Fiorella, Marty, Spencer, Kathy, Gee, Jenna, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Shelbo, James, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Bradley, Kristen, Eunice, Danielle, Matt, Eaton, Garrett, Debo, Irina, Edith, Jacqueline, Rachel, Lady Vader, John, Kevin, Ian, Raz, Lakshana, Candice, Ewan, Tom, Daniel, Heather, Brooklyn, Kimma, Jalia, Matthew, Captain Britton, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, Ira Bell, Kimberly, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumperaroo, Patrick, James, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Miss Art, Rebuild, Matt, Jen, Jordan, Isabel, Camille, Amy, Jared, Claire, Brad, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.